This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. My friend, Dr. Michael Elman, says that the most coveted title in Jewish life is the immediate past, immediate past president, immediate past chair, immediate past director, whatever it may be for any leadership position. I'm Larry Ziffer. Until a few weeks ago, I was the immediate past CEO of the Center for Jewish Education. That title now goes to Amy and Kellimer as the CJE transitions into a new era where the Associated of Baltimore focuses in new ways on the various aspects of formal Jewish education and informal outreach and engagement. The new entities that have been created temporarily known as the Jewish Education Services formal Jewish education, age code for informal Jewish education, will soon be presenting themselves to the community with their new lay and professional leadership with agendas to address the many facets of Jewish education in this wonderful community. One of the final programs of CJE this year is this evening's presentation by our honored guest speaker, Rabbi Aaron I have no patience to listen Rabbi to Obiansky this. is the Rosh Yeshiva of Yeshiva, I have no to deal with my where he succeeded as founder of Gedalia Enomer Zatzal in 1995. In ways that are accessible for anyone. The Rosh Hashiva is a much sought after speaker, the author of many Sfarim, books, and articles, and one of our treasured Balei Hamasora, who so clearly articulates the myriad ways in which our Torah traditions are truly timeless. I could read more to you from the standard bio to tell you all of the great Gedolim who influenced the Rosh Hashiva as a Talmud and along the way as he became a master Machanich. But instead, I want to tell you something that you will not find on this curriculum vitae. After the Batira of Rabbi Hilla Clavin, the respected community rub in Washington, D.C., and the father of our dear friends, Mrs. Rachel Tagerstein and Mrs. Malkus White, Rabbi Lovianski stopped by every Shabbos after Shul to visit, speak, reminisce, and show covet to Mrs. Clavin. This is not chinuch as a concept, but chinuch as the basis for living a Jewish life. This is not detachment in an ivory tower, but living Torah is a guide for engaging with Klai Yisrael. Chazal say that everything can be derived from the way you end. This evening is an opportunity to reflect on the chitu of a shnas chinuch in Baltimore, a year in which we attempted to achieve a new normal after the disruptions of COVID. It's an enormous honor and privilege for me to introduce from Aaron Lopiansky will provide us with words of inspiration and hadracha as we come to the close of this Shnas As I mentioned before, Visiting to Mrs. Clavin was a learning opportunity. Told us much, and I believe whatever positive impression myself and wife left, we got a lot more in terms of wisdom, in terms of character, and Allah uh, Shalom may her memory be a blessing and. It shows what you can learn from people who may not have a formal teaching position, but have an awful lot to teach because of who they are and what they did and so on. I asked what would people want to speak about? And I got some remarks. And I guess the common denominator has to do with a lot of the frustrations of teaching. Everyone who teaches does so because it's noble, it's idealistic, and Baruch Hashem, I think um, anyone who stays in Hinoch feels that, that's what keeps us. 
but we also understand how difficult it is. And I want to try to perhaps define the difficulty and then get a sense of how to look at it. Whenever we interact with a person, we, we have a custom in a store. There is a certain neutrality in our interaction. I, I help the person, the person is grateful. A doctor, nurse, tends to a patient. There's a smile, there's genuine gratitude, and it's very quick. Any service a person does, we serve somebody in a store or a salesperson. If we do it right and well, there's a smile on the person's face, there's gratitude, and the person will come back again, and so on. We are social creatures. We're meant to be part of society. All the Shonen speak about this faculty of being part of society. And therefore, the neutrality is very, very important to us. When we serve somebody who doesn't reflect back to us the kindness, the care, the concern, we, we tend not to wish the person as a customer, and it becomes neutral. Children in a classroom, so some are easier, some are positive, some are difficult. There is certainly not a clear sense of return. We spent all night long preparing things, a lesson, a year's worth of teaching. There might be a thank you, there might be a hi, great. That's about it. That type of return doesn't exist. That's if things are good. If things are difficult, then we got a lot of complaints. Certainly parents um, don't give back, rarely give back the type of recognition, the type of acknowledgement of what it is that we put into their children. Worse still, when a boy in the yeshiva age can and will acknowledge his yeshiva. Yes, this is my Rebbe, and he did this and that. It's positive. There is acknowledgement. And it lasts a long time. Very few people come back to a third grade teacher, fourth grade teacher, fifth grade teacher, and say, wow, it's, you know, the, the, the arithmetic you taught us was really great. The, the Mishnayis that you mutched with us, it gets buried somewhere. And no acknowledgement. Not talking about covet. Not talking about just, we don't, it doesn't have happen. And that's why it makes it so difficult. More so when we have students that are difficult. Who are sitting and working so hard with someone that's not rational, not mental, and we put a lot into it. And Zero return. I'm not, I'm not talking about a, a thing. I'm talking about an emotional acknowledgement. The same child that you pulled through a year and he is in a better place, sometimes by far better place, there is nothing about his body language, her body language, that indicates that's a big challenge. I'd like to try to understand it, how we're to look at it to be able to get a much better handle and to make it a lot easier. I'm going to start with a chazal, the Gemara. The Gemara speaks about something deep and as is always the case, the Gemara uses quite cryptic and deep ideas. It sounds like we're talking about something physical, but it's obviously not. And then I would like to translate the ideas into what we're talking about. So the Gemara says, Doris Reb Simloi. Reb Simloi said, What 
does the fetus look like in the mother's womb? The pinkest shemekupa, like a pant or notebook today, that is folded. Now, in those days, they had didn't have notebooks like we have. They had like a slate that you that you go in on wax or whatever, and this is closed. It sort of physically represents the fact that the fetus is hunched over, bent over, and it describes it. Then it says, it goes to more points that are not relevant to us, I'm skipping those. And he says that veneer doleklo alosho, there's a candle lit on his head. It's sofo mavit misofo olomat sofo. And he looks, he's able to perceive from one end of the world to the other end of the world. He brings a pasuk. Then it says, He's taught all of Torah. And so on. There's a pasuk for that. As soon as he comes out to this world, the Malach comes, the Malach hits him on his mouth and makes him forget all of the prayer. That's the Gemara. I've skipped parts that are not relevant to our discussion. And obviously, you can't physically imagine this, it's not a physical scene, but Chazal are telling us something extremely profound. And it's telling it to us because this is a very important matter. And I'll try to explain it. When we look at a person, life began at the moment he was born, he or she was born. When we speak about the development, we speak about from the picture of when he's one day old, he or she's one day old, and, and so on. But that's a second layer. There's a primary layer, and that is when the child is a fetus. Somebody who doesn't think and asks himself, why is this child healthy, this child not so healthy? Well, let's see what he or she's eating. Let's see what, uh, what they're doing, and so on. We, we look at the two children. Someone who is more insightful says, what was their fetal development like? What, what were they exposed to? Whatever science today has, has, has come up with. But it's not immediate to the eye. To the eye, we see what's in front of us. And we saw the child first at one day, then as it's growing up. But really, there's a whole layer before him. And that primary layer is, in many ways, much more significant than what happens later. A, a problem that arises in, 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 while the fetus is developing is a lot more serious than something later because it develops in the very core of the, of, of, of the child. Something later means there was a child and something happened. So this is an extremely important or the most critical part of the Gemara. The Gemara is posing to us a few riddles. It's like a closed book. So what's the point of teaching? It's like saying, I want to write a book, but, but it's closed. The, the image that Chazal are creating for us of a closed book is, is, is paradox. And he has a light that he sees around the whole world. Why is that significant? He's the mother's womb. What is, what is that implying? And finally, to teach him all of Torah and then forgotten. It's the Mishnah says, if somebody teaches a young person, it's like a clear tablet. So I understand, what was the point that all of that teaching in order to have it forgotten? The, the whole, not only is this cryptic, it also has inherent paradoxes. What Chazam are trying to teach us is 
there is a stage of overt development. The letters that are written in the book, those items happen after birth. The Torah that the child knows happens after birth. But it says in Shabbos, in, in Shabbos, that one ought to singe the candles before lighting them on Shabbos. In other words, Erev Shabbos, we light the candle, blow it out, and it's much easier, once it's been charred, it's much easier for it to catch fire the second time. So if you want it to catch fire well, you char it, and then, and then you um, light it. Unless the child has a primary layer of Torah, nothing will really stick afterwards. It's just like we have no information coming in, but we have certain, our mind works in a certain way, what we call today hardwired. Certain things seem reasonable to us. Certain things seem to be intuitive. Certain things seem to be elementary to us. Without that, the second layer could never take hold. And the reason is because it's alien. Anytime when, when, you, when you take a suit and you dye it as a suit, the dye holds so-so. When you dye it as wool, dyed in wool, it's much better quality because the dye takes much better. And when the wool was a natural color, that's the best because that color would never deepen. If the child does not have a primary layer of understanding, knowledge, a sense of Torah, then you cannot have it come from the outside and stick. It'll be elegant. Just not part and parcel of the very family. So Chazal are teaching us Hashem, every biological aspect of our creation has meaning behind it. The fact that we go through a long process of gestation and then we start a move means there's one layer of development which is primary, elementary. And seemingly, that slate is clear totally. And now there's a whole new um, layer, and that layer actually sticks. The reason why we need that balance is because, on the one hand, if the child doesn't have, not have an innate sense of Torah, Torah will be elegant. If, on the other hand, we were left with what we had been imbued with at that stage, we would never become our own person. It's not my Torah. I didn't drill into myself. I didn't work over it. I didn't, I didn't do it. So, just like I'm not proud of my hands, I'm not proud of my feet, I'm So, if the Torah was pre-programmed, then HaKadosh Baruch gave it, and it would be meaningless. So HaKadosh Baruch made this incredible dual system where one layer of it is primary, and that becomes the basis for my own work. And if I do it correctly, it becomes part of me because of that. That's how the Gemara and Chazal are describing for us this most fundamental process of a child learning and horror, anything that's ruthless and, and, and happening. The, uh, I would like to take this idea and we'll explain the light that he sees the whole world in, 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 in another moment. But I'd like to take this idea and now duplicate it. So the type of what we call chinuch, the education we give in shivas from the lowest grades to 
You can say the verses in children. There's a difference. When we are teaching, and by teaching, I want to go past the dry subject matter and talk about the more important things, our sense of values, behavior, even when not actively talking about it. But that's what we're trying to, to view. We need to see the child as carrying the fetus of an adult in their hands. Chinuch does not happen in where this child goes A, B, C, D, E, and so on. What usually happens is at some point the child matures, and all of a sudden you have person, and you ask yourself where they come from. It's almost as if all the childishness, all, a lot, a lot of the stuff falls off, like, like an eggshell, like, you know, like a caterpillar. And that's what happens. There is the phase of life where he or she is a child, where What's influencing it is what's coming from the outside. And in some an adult is developing. And when the adult comes out, the adult feels they are the ones, but they learn it's their work, what they accomplish, their accomplishment. They don't have the memory, just like a child can never have the memory of what it's like in fitness. They don't really have a conscious memory. But that was the most critical part of the development. So if we focus at this person, this new person who's standing in front of us, we're going to be kind of disappointed. It could be nice, it could be sweet. I know there's a lot of nice moments, but that's not the person. The person is the inner adult that is developing as I'm talking to the child. We ourselves can think back things that happened to us as children, positive memories, not so positive memories, and the effect they have on us as an adult. We lived it in the body of the child. Its effect stays when we're adults. So, uh, people will write sometimes about what was a profound moment in their lives that changed them. And it doesn't seem like a great thing, but the experience of that the inner adult at that point, that was the critical piece that snapped into place. So when we're talking to children, we're talking where we're giving over everything. The, the development, the product of our efforts is the adult that's developing at this moment. And when the adult comes out, that's our time. Whether or not, just like a child will never understand the difficulty of caring the child, we may think back and remember some of the time we've done it. But the Hebrewian, no child can remember. That's exactly it. So if we look at this little child as, as, as the one that we're communicating with, it's difficult. But that's not we deal with. We're dealing with the Uber the May evil. We're dealing with there's an adult there that is absorbing every moment of it. And positive events, um, educational events are making a profound impact. Negative ones are unfortunately also making an impact. And when he comes, he will come into his own. But the, his own that he came into was because we, the teachers, nourished, nurtured that head. So when the shell hatches, and the little chick comes out, the, the shell is discarded. But whoever was that sat on that, on that egg, whoever it was that incubated that egg, that's the one who becomes the child. So we're looking at not, it's not linear, it's not when you have an adult and you're teaching an adult something. So, it adds up. 
day one, day two, day three, day four. This is a very, very diff different process. And I want to point out two or three aspects that are unique about this. First, going back to what Hazal said, there's a light that he sees the entire world. What this means is, once we're adults, everything, every interaction is a point. This, it's, it's specific. It's this, this case, this, this person, this, this point. A child, the younger a child is, the more you're affecting their picture of everything. They don't see bits and pieces. So if they have positive experience with people, then their sense will be people are positive. An adult can say A is positive, B is not positive, C has some mixed things, some things positive, some not positive. A child, and the younger child, the more so, it's not like that. The, 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 the ability Hazal described as seeing the entire world means at a fundamental level, we have people that are positive and people that are negative. That is a sweeping kind of understanding. That's the, the light that he sees the entire world in one shot is unique to the younger child is and begins to change as an adult. It's more subtle. We can do things that's very helpful life but the basis of the person his general sense of life that's I want to point out two more places where Hazal spoke about an uber fetus and both of them I think have very strong bearing on what we're talking about Revaloza says that a person who has Hanufa Hanufa is translated as flattery. It's not quite the right translation for the Gemara. Hanufa in the Gemara's language is a person saying things that are false, but I say this is a worthy uh, deed. When it's not true, I, I, what, what I'm doing is I'm taking a person who I have a need or desire to ingratiate myself with him, and I told the person, um, and I'd say, ah, what you did is kevalvik. It's tremendous. And it's not. That's called Hanufa. When I, when I utter a deliberate falsehood in value judgment, is something that's terrible. Umar speaks all about this. It's actually a sheet that you have to be sinefish. And he says, a filuubin shame imam mekamso. Even a fetus curses a mouth. What does that mean? It means that the younger the child is, the more formative. When something is manifestly false, when, when, when the child detects something that is deliberately false, it creates a tremendous um, flaw. Cynicism, the sense that things are not what they are, is something that a child at that age is particularly sensitive to. So the, because it's so fundamental, describing things as they are and saying this is good, this is bad, and giving over false uh, good and bad, it's more expedient is something that takes a tremendous toll at that stage. And the second one is, Reb Meir said that when they cross the Yamsuf, even the uber Emo, even the fetuses said Shira. What does that mean? The crossing at the Yamsuf, it says that Klaus claimed it's as if they were able to point with a finger, whereas belief and understanding about Akadosh Baruch is always more faith. It belongs to the world of belief, 
crossed at Yamsuf, it was so apparent that at that moment they could, as it, as it were, put a finger and say this. That's how strong the sense it was. When somebody preaches, teaches things that we think are right, but they, they're not they're not so deeply etched in our conscience, does not have an effect, but has a, a, a rather small effect on the inner behavior. When we talk about something that is so clear to us, so true, so real, that we can put a finger to it, that leaves a mark on that. A child of that age and the younger, the, the more foundational, the more sensitive is how real are the things that are being said. It's, it's not enough to say, yeah, we think it's right. It's really how much is it a reality that a person can be So I want to try to put the picture together. Chazal teaching us that the formation of an adult human being is in two stages. There is a fetus-like stage, which is the foundation of the person. It's what will make them want to gravitate to good and repel them from bad and instinctively grab at what's right. And then there's a second stage when that fetus slash child has become an adult and has and, and is now forming their own more specific and, and, and nuanced understandings and applications of those very, very basic ideas and feelings. The job or the mission, what we call chinach, until a child is old enough to really be independent, which means, you know, fancy shiva gets when, when they're basically adults and understand themselves and are just using us as resources, is comparable, analogous to the fetal stage to birth. So is the, the period that all of us are engaged in to the final product. It means, first of all, that the things that were that the things that were affected are not specifics as much as the entirety of the person. The delight that sees one of the, and this is a practice, the older a child gets, the more, the, the more it changes. It's a process. It's not, it's not as sharply divided as old from, from, from fetus. But it's the same idea. We're really laying the basis. They may long have forgotten what we taught specifically Class. But their attitude, their habit, the way of looking at things all come from here. Refutus Vantaka writes, he was against teaching in Kumar at, at an early age. It doesn't say exactly what, but too early of an age. He said he was taught a certain Masechda when he was a child. And he said, his words, my understanding of that Masechah has always been childish, rather childish. I assume it's, it's his personal opinion. I don't think other people would have noticed it. But, but it's, a, it's a fascinating point. It means that the things that are clear to us, the things that we talk about that are real to us and as palpable as touching something, those things transfer over to, 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 to that stage. Anything that I can put a finger and say that's close to the child. Those things that we give lip service to go far less, make have far less of an impact. And if it's chas uh, where, where there's something dishonest about it, that creates a real 
time. It's a tukufa. It's a period of life that comes to an end and finishes. If we're looking for the child we taught, it's nowhere. It's like a shelf that cracked open when the chick hatches. They're gone. But if we always understood that the neshama inside the child that lived to change is an adult development, the child we see is a shell and it's absorbing everything. Yes, part of the, of the challenge of this type of work is that you don't see things, but you have a much greater influence in what will happen in 20 years from now than anyone else. This is the time that the Torah and I'm talking about the big picture, all the values that we taught now allow the child when they become that to continue. And if it's lacking, then then it, 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 exactly. Yes, it's an exceptional job because the natural feedback that's from the child, from the parents, the parents also. They're, they're dealing with the day-to-day child. It's hard to, to keep looking at the adult that's developing. You know, it's 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 uh, it, it's it's something that it's a long process. The when it happens, that's when when that change happens. We were the ones that that we have to keep focusing on. It's not. No child will come. I mean, people are very nice and come back and say, "Oh, it's great." Yeah, but they themselves don't understand. Just like nobody understands how much the mother takes care of herself, it's so important for the basis. We can understand the meals our mother gave us when we saw them, but the mother cared for herself. When we were kids, we can't. We can't expect that. But we need to understand what we're doing. Every child that's moved is carrying an adult inside. And everything that we send that way nourishes, creates the basis man. And whatever will develop, it's developing just like just like the Torah that you learned later in the in the in the greater Humanity scribes. Only takes hold because it had been primed. There was a primary layer. So it's a partnership, and that's the beauty of it. The child someday can look and say, I put so much effort and sweat into it, and that's why I achieved. And we know that everything that we did to care and nurture them when they were still in the fetal stage is what allowed for all of their work to become the person they become. Because Hashem, we should have the present life to keep keep that, that, that image in front of us and know and understand that the, the future adult in Hashem is the work we're putting in, that's what we're creating. And we know what what our what our work has produced, will produce in Hashem, and we should live and see the payers of the work that we do. Is it agreed to take some questions? So she will. Somebody.
Um, I, maybe my memory is off, but I didn't remember our classes. I was asked. So the question was, what do you, what do you, what does one do with the rampant footsman today, especially at the 13 minutes? So I don't remember we were angels. Um, that, that was, that I grew up in a school that was considered a rough school those days. That was the schools. But I, it's, it's obviously a lot of these questions are going to be very, very dependent on who the kids are, what it is, and so on. Um, I, I can offer one or two points. If a teacher loses themselves, if we become emotionally involved, I remember I had a Rebbe who to me is the, is the model of Mohammed, who was a sort of person, his name was Zaydel Epstein. He never there would be times when he'd be strict a bit, whatever. He never had the sense that he got emotionally carried away. Usually, that type of attitude is trying to bait the teacher. By being baited, a person is sending a message undependently. A person can be strong and say, this is wrong, it's not tolerated. Sleeve or, or whatever, whatever the particular circumstances, but being able to uh, be able to keep cool, it's very critical because the child senses the minute the child senses that they've upset us, then it's something which it's gone. So keeping cool and finding opportunities to speak, not about a bad foot space. Speaking, what's what's normative behavior? We speak a lot about mitzvahs, things like that. But what's behavior that's appropriate? It doesn't, like I said before, you really will get the response where the kids will say, "Ah, we realize that it's not the right thing to do." I I I, I doubt you'll ever get that response. But you know, in time, it it clicks. That's the point. If I look at this child here, who's footsteping. It's not, it's not like an adult I can explain to you, know, not appropriate. He says, yeah, and so on. It's not going to happen. But if, if there's a sense of power where the teacher is not baited and the teacher puts down what's right, what's wrong, it will, those children will develop. That's, that is, the, that is uh, And also, a lot of times, you have to find out what's going on. A lot, of, a lot of these children, unfortunately, come from places where that's struggling a lot. I'll share a story, and to me, it was I opened up. I, I don't teach in the high school. I teach in play, I do a VAD, but I, you know, it's part of the same yeshiva. So, one of the told me there was a boy who refused to do anything. He wouldn't talk, he wouldn't learn. He must have been like a 10th grade or something like that. And he kept very upset when I asked him, why? Why don't you mention it? He said, Rebbe, I'll tell you. My father beat me every day. And every day I doubt Hashem should protect me. And yesterday, I said, Hashem, you have your last chance. So guess what? My father threw me down a flight of steps. I've had it. So what do you answer to try? Unfortunately, there are many tragedies. If there are children are struggling with smaller things, a sibling who's very accomplished, they pay it, It's it's complicated, and and if some if a child seems to be especially out of line, a lot of times it's a reason. It doesn't mean that they have to get away with it, but how you deal with it is going to have to change, and that's why it's so individual these things that really needs to be on a case case basis. But generally speaking. Not allowing us to get baited, understanding you're dealing with a difficult issue, but it's the person did not challenge your uh, dignity. And secondly, speaking about what's appropriate, what's right, it sinks in. And when the adult comes out, those are the battles they have. It's not easy, but yeah.
are you speaking about us as parents or as mechanchet? We all have uh, families and, and uh, so I do think something that we're a bit, depending on, on the shade of school, we're a bit lax on is providing good recreation for children. Of course, the models of Chaim Panevsky who never pause for a moment from learning. That's amazing. If anyone is aware of the next one, Chaim Panevsky, please let me know. I'd like to be the first one to get it. But that's not the goal of children life. Telling them, keep yourself busy, is asking for trust. Um, because if, if you, you pick the, 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 you know, finding good things for children to do, we should invest in that. And different activities. And when I went to camp, that was the beginning of free camps. So it, it, learning was maybe an hour a day, and only half a day if you were masmid. But they did work hard on providing tremendous amount of activities. It was no free time. There was this activity, this activity, then this, and then that. And I realized it's a very important we should invest money. And you need to spare your surah for the really difficult ones. You, you can't just keep having rules, providing opportunities and saving the and saving the warnings about the things that we really don't want them to do or don't want them to go. It's an issue. On the one hand, we don't want to distract a child who can be sitting and learning to listen to mother. We obviously don't want to distract him with this, that, or the other thing. The vast majority of children have lunch. And finding healthy, positive activities is important. And you know, there are different shades. Some people feel all uh, organized sport is bad, some for some. That's already up to a certain flavor. But finding what they should do. Do what you want is, is, is telling a child to do something wrong. There's no way in which it, 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 something is not going to go wrong. When it says in the Mishnah, that's exactly what we're talking about. If there's any time free in the Torah, it's Mishkachas it's, it's I'm sorry, it's Mishkachas in Russian to find out. Um, if you need, the child is engaged, busy, involved. Doesn't have to be only recreation. They can help at home actually. It's it's something which actually uh, you know they can they can do things. But again, it has to be thought out in a way where they're occupied, they're engaged, they're occupied, and, and fulfilled. So, if, 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 you know, the, the problem is, realistically speaking, in, in, many, in many places, there's a concept called sabbatical, and, you know, people take into account that they need some time to change the scenery and so on. We're stretched to the limit. Yeshivas cannot afford to give sabbaticals, and schools can't afford, you know, we're, we're really, Trying to find within the framework of some other job for to perform. If a person feels just a particular moment taking a vacation with it, obviously that's right. But in the long run, if you're burnt out, you don't be a highly effective teacher. The problem is it's our people's primacy. It's it's not clear. So, what does a person do at old age? That there's some real issues. Um, if if it's possible to sort of rotate certain jobs, where you can take a fresh look, a fresh approach, that might be a helpful thing. But it is it, it, it's it's an obvious uh, issue, and we don't have the resources to do it. The institutional resources.
end of the day, do four things. Whatever people feel they accomplished, every single person this room went into it. Whether it's recognized or they have not. I want to thank the, uh, the Rosh Hashimah for coming and joining and inspiring us. Um, and much like the Rosh Hashimah spoke about, uh, each child has a, an adult, an uber an adult growing inside of them. Each teacher has the greatness of a great kind of nefanechas growing within them, including novice teachers who uh, <coughs> come to the profession, inspired hoping to, to grow and impact the class well. And I'm excited to announce there's the, the CJE, the formation of a new Chabura for Rebbeim to uh, <coughs> become mentors for novice Rebbeim to help foster the growth of that uh, Uber of a, a great Rebbe inside. Uh, many, uh, many of us have, in the room have participated in mentoring programs and training programs through JNTP. It's been sponsored and uh, through the CJE. So I'm excited to announce the formation of this new Chabura, the mentor Chabura for Rebbeim, Ukar, um, that's going to be designed to help identify veteran Rebbeim, to work with new Rebbeim, and foster that uh, Uber and grow it into a fantastic Mechanech. Thank you very much. I appreciate you coming out this evening. I was asked to announce the Shea Newcomers Night, a community-wide women's event to welcome all newcomers to Baltimore, sponsored by the Shea Gurus Israel of Baltimore. Divrei Chizek from Rebetzin, Rachel Neyman, the base medish of Ranchley, Salad, Desert Dessert Buffet, Monday, May 16th, 8 p.m. at Arugas Abrosen.